TuxJam, combining Linux news with Creative Commons goodness. Hello and welcome to a TuxJam special for HPR. Again, after the success and positive comments of the last one, uh, we decided that we'd do another one, and this was a slightly special one along the theme of how we got onto Linux. And we're also numbering this uh, episode 33 and a third. And I'm uh, joined, as always, by my co-host, Kevy. How are you, Kevy? Hello, hello. And a great big hello to actually all everybody out there in HPR land. I am very well. And this, you guys are in for a treat purely because anybody on the normal Tux Jam feed is not going to get this. This is going to be an exclusive episode. Yeah, so all the juicy gossip of how uh, Kevin and Andrew got into Linux. Ooh, now, I was told that this was supposed to be the very first HPR episode you're supposed to release going by tradition, but hopefully people will forgive us for doing this second. Indeed, and I've released lots of other episodes of non-Tux Jam stuff and never actually done that episode so yeah i'm sure i'm sure they will forgive us i mean i mean um you know it's not it's not, it's not that formal a place hpr very good very good now those of you who do normally listen to tux jam then they'll know that or you sorry you will know that tux jam always stands out a wee bit different as being very linuxy and open source related but with quite a lot of music not just a track here and a, tr- a track at the end so we're going to go straight in with this because it's otherwise we're going to end up having a fully talk show. So we don't want that. You don't want to do that. <laughs> bad, bad, had the infield impression there. Uh, so we're going to start with the first track and it's by Xenia Nen and it's Just The Way I'm Feeling. It's so complicated Too much to think about Everything's changing The world turns upside down Such a strange feeling Feet off the ground Turn around Never turn around So much to tell you
And now for the first of tonight's interviews, I am going to invite Andrew to take the hot seat. Ooh, that is hot. (laughs) Okay then, would you like an ice pack for that? I think so, I think I'll take the gold seat for a bit. Fair enough, fair enough. Right then, well, this is all about Linux and how we got into it. So, what was your first, uh, let's just say, what was the first time you heard of Linux, even maybe even before you started using it? Yeah, only very shortly before I started using it. I was, let's see, <clears throat> now I've written this down, uh, I've written this down somewhere, uh, but not in the place it's in front of me, but I can date it back to when I was at Glasgow University. And the machine, the, I was in an astronomy department and it was full of very expensive sun machines. And I, for some reason, uh, now I think it was my dad had suggested, oh, you could buy a Pentium PC, which was pretty new at the time. So that dates it. And it must have been about 93 or 94, maybe, no, maybe 95 actually. No, it must be 95. Sorry. Yeah. And, um, he said you could buy for a thousand pounds, which is still quite a lot of money for a computer, you could buy a Pentium and you could stick Linux on it and you'll be really impressed. Uh, you'll have a machine that, you know, can keep up with all those 10, 20, 30,000 pounds, uh, sun workstations that your department has. So that was, that was my first, I think that was the first time I'd heard about Linux. And did your dad give you a recommendation or did he just leave it the open-ended Linux statement? No, no. Uh, now, I think most people would be used to trying to get their parents into computers. I should point out my dad has been working with computers since the 60s. So he was very much the expert. Uh, and uh, I really, I was so um, new to doing anything with computers back then. Uh, well, I mean, with anything serious with them. You know, I did do, do a bit of programming and stuff, but I'd never meddled with an operating system before. So he um, came along with, I, I guess it was a, a stack of floppies still back then, and uh, installed, I think it was Slackware 3 point something. Maybe in 2, but maybe Slackware, I think it was Slackware 3 point something uh, onto this Pentium machine when it arrived at my desk. And how were your initial thoughts on it, as far as usability goes? Uh, I mean, how, how did it compare to what you were using in uni? Was it, were your skills very easily transferable, or was it quite a steep learning curve? Well, that's a very good question because, of course, back in that time, uh, this is pre this was pre Windows ninety five era, really. Um, so, so my only experience of Microsoft stuff was Windows three point one, and that was absolutely laughable compared to. Um, the Macs at the time, which the university library had, uh, and especially the, the, the really swanky Sun workstations, you know, with their X windows, and I think they had, we had Motif, um, SunOS and Solaris was just coming along, so it was, it, it was all very shiny stuff at the time. Um, and I have to say, Linux, it was X386, um, X windows, I guess it was, um, FVWM, that was the window manager I would have had, because this, this, this was pre, uh, no more KDE, I would believe. I certainly, I don't remember them being around at the time. And it looked basic, but it, it, it was very comparable with what I was used to on the Sun workstations. And in fact, in some ways better, because I 
you know, not only did I have a very fast machine for computations, which is why I got it, but I was the only person in the office that could listen to music using a, a program called Workbone uh, on my PC. Nobody else could do that. Oh, excellent. So you were, you were almost like a, you were flying the flag for it from a very early stage. Where that, what in, problems did you encounter in the early days? Well, I, I can remember the installation procedure. I had not a clue. My dad sat there, and he was very patient. And, and, and this is nothing like the installation of any operating system, especially Linux now. It was a really tough ride. But my dad had done it before, so I watched with amusement as he went through it. The only time I remember him getting stuck was um, configuring X386, which was, the, uh, I guess, the, the granddaddy of uh, Xorg. Um, so essentially, you had to code all these uh, that you, you, your monitor refresh rates into these things called mode lines, which was in the equivalent of the xorg.com file. I forget what it was called, probably x f eighty x or something like that. I forget. Um, and, and it was quite difficult. Uh, to get those mode lines right, get those refresh rates right, and there was also the risk that you may fry your monitor if you got it wrong. I remember that was mentioned a few times. But other than that, I think it was pretty straightforward. Now, just out of curiosity here, I'm just thinking, going back to Windows 3.1 days, now certainly from my experience, that was kind of before a time when, you know, many people had access to the internet at all. So what were the, the big draws for Linux at that time? You mean the advantages of using Linux at that time? Uh, not so much the advantage. What, what what drew you to it in the first place? I mean, I certainly know, like I said, it, the security was one of the huge things that drew me. But obviously that probably wouldn't have been that big an issue back then before. I mean, I'm assuming we're talking about a time before uh, the internet was connected to the PC uh, 24-7. Oh, well, at the university at that time, um, since... Oh goodness! Uh, um, since at least 1992, probably 1990, uh, I was used to working with always-on internet PCs in universities. Uh, I, I mean, I, I guess in some kind of sense, universities had that in the UK through what we call the Janet network. So that wasn't at all novel. That was old hat for me by that point. Uh, what was new uh, was the fact that for a thousand pounds, you could have something running a this Linux operating system that outperformed, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, I mean, I, can't, I don't remember the prices, but a tens of thousands of pounds Sun workstation. Uh, that to me was the thing that turned heads as much as being able to listen to my CDs easily enough. So it, it was actually this, the, getting the raw computing power out of the machine, having the power of a, a Unix-like operating system uh, for, for for a very low price. Uh, that that was what really swung it, because you know universities, well, at least the like my experience of astronomy at universities is that uh, you don't have a lot of money to play with for your computational resources. Certainly, doesn't seem to be as much back then as as you might think uh, universities might have had. Okay, right. So yeah, you've answered my question there. Uh, what about, I'm thinking, what are the big problems of uh, getting anybody over nowadays is, well, one of the big arguments is always about uh, software and software not being that readily available. Um, that's not necessarily true, but how was it back then? I mean, were, were, were things quite uh, in kind of beta stage, alpha stage? Was it kind of quite buggy or was there a quite a large supply of software already there? 
it was, I remember it being very stable, you know. I, I remember that machine running for months, maybe years, without ever going down unless I told it to. Um, and you remember, you may remember that Pentiums were prone to overheating, so that was no mean feat uh, at the time. It was a very impressive uh, piece of kit. So, as for applications, well, I mean, this is pre-Microsoft Office dominance. Um, as for like web browser, I mean, I mean, the web's in its infancy. The web's only a year or two old. Um, so, I I think I was using. NCSA Mosaic at first, and then uh, it probably was Netscape. I'm pretty sure it was Netscape I was using uh, for my web browser, and it was stable. I, I actually remember the very first time on the Sun Workstation, must have been 92 or 93, somebody said, Come and look at this, it's the World Wide Web, it's amazing. You can click on bits of text, and it takes you to another bit of text that explains those words. You know, there was hyperlinks in other words. And this person was enthusing. And I went through to the the, the computer room and uh, this extremely expensive workstation. And he went, look at this. And he clicked on the link and the whole of NCSA Mosaic just just crashed. <laughs> and I laughed and said, that's rubbish. I went back to my desk. <laughs> yes, yeah, so even back then, you were literally, you had become a zealot, you know, a Linux zealot. So you would be saying, ah, that's rubbish. Look, I've been doing that for ages. Yes, so did you stick with Slackware for your entire computing days since then, uh, or should I say Linux days? Because I know you still currently use it. Yes, well, this is where I have to make my confession, uh, Father Kevy. Um, it, what happened was, by the late 90s, everyone, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people I was working with even in academia, were starting to be seduced to the dark side and using Microsoft Word, and I was getting Word files attached to emails. And it also, when you went to buy a laptop, it came with Microsoft Windows 98 on it. You didn't get a choice. You had to go through, jump through a lot of hoops to put uh, Linux on it. So I got a laptop with Windows 98 on it, and uh, I'm sorry to say that for... A good few years, I I used Microsoft Windows and Microsoft Office, and there was no Open Office back then as well to to, to give you an alternative. So um, so that was that. But I didn't give up on Linux completely. I moved to the Open University, and I said, look, I can't actually do my research without a Unix type operating system. And there was a few things like C programs that I ran to do number crunching, um, and some NASA data that I worked with. So. I got a laptop that dual booted into Red Hat, and you know, pre Red Hat Enterprise Linux, original Red Hat, and it had no. I remember I never liked that very much. I was never happy with that Linux, um, Red Hat Linux. I, I, it was just, yeah, I didn't feel at home at all. Although it probably was superior to my first outing with Slackware, you know, given that it was good uh, five years later at least. And then, uh, then uh, I carried on in this dark place into the 2000s and I think I made the switch back in 2003 I, I, I went back to Linux but the interesting thing was the thing that got me back into Linux was not that it was superior uh, to Windows in fact in many ways you could argue that it was actually a hindrance in my day to day life because of all the Microsoft Office stuff that I had to deal with but I um I actually read um the Cathedral in the Bazaar uh, by uh, ESR Eric Raymond, 
and I read started to read stuff by uh, Richard Stallman, and so it was the it was the FOSS element of Linux, which I'd never understood before. To be fair, I'd used Linux a lot, I'd never really appreciated how it was put together. When I realised that, I was hooked, and that drew me back in, uh, and I never looked back, and, and I returned. Uh, to Slackware. Uh, it was actually my dad again who literally offered me a Slackware 11 disc and said, try this. <laughs> and I did. And I don't think at the time I recalled that it was Slackware that I used in the beginning. I, I didn't make the connection until a while afterwards. Now, that's clearly quite a big jump. So you went from roughly 2 or 3 to up to 11. I mean, did you know that it was Slackware? Uh, like, did you know it was the same operating system or at the time did you just think this is a just completely new and updated system there's almost no connection apart from the fact it's Linux based Oh, it, it was it was night and day I mean, it really was, I mean Slackware 11 which came with one of the mature versions of KDE 3 um, was so much better than uh, the Red Hat with GNOME that I'd, I'd used many years before admittedly <clears throat> And a lot better than the the very rudimentary stuff that I'd been using back in the mid nineties. Uh, my first outing was Slackware. I, sh- I should say that I don't think I was all. Yeah, well, I say I wasn't aware of the the FOSS aspect of the the free uh, GNU uh, underpinnings of Linux back in the nineties. I didn't appreciate that. I'm not entirely sure I went around saying, by the way, I use Linux. I think it was just. Uh, I might have even called it Linux back then. You know, it, it just it didn't matter. It was a bit like saying uh, it was of no real interest to me any more than saying, "Oh, I use a three-pin wall socket to plug my my plugs into." You know, it was it really was like that. I, I didn't care. I was just using what worked best. Yes, which actually, you, uh, many people could say, "Okay, the freedom lovers are going to hate me for saying this," but to be honest, th- that's almost like what's come with uh, the likes of. Uh, uh, Android now, you know, I mean, people who actually use it, unless they're really into it, don't really care. They're just thinking, oh, it's what suits me best. And in many ways, that's what I think when people use Linux for that reason, it's a major win. That's the way I personally feel because they're not actually going for it for a, a belief system or, you know, any moral values. They're purely going for it because it is the better system. Yes, uh huh. It, and it was, it was certainly, certainly like that. Uh, and so I feel my journey was a bit backwards in a sense that I start, you know, that, well, backwards, uh, what, what do I mean? Backwards in that not quite, um, the way other people encountered Linux is that I, I feel that a lot of people are drawn to Linux by its freedom, uh, associations. Whereas with me, it was almost the other way around. It was, it was just because it was a better operating system back then because Windows wasn't, uh, was, was well was very immature and rubbish in the mid nineties until until Windows ninety five basically Windows was just rubbish. Yeah, I'd still say that it's still pretty rubbish, really. <laughs> Unfor- <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I'm forced to use it at work, but uh, that doesn't stop me taking my laptop and using that for most of my day to day stuff. <laughs> yes, well, I have to say that the, 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 if I was to rate Windows, it probably peaked somewhere for me. Uh, Windows 2000, Windows XP, uh, uh, and then descended. And so, re- with retrospect, I, I could e- even argue that yeah, the, the peak was fairly rubbish in a number of ways, but mostly in a freedom, uh, freedom sense. Yes, that's true. Windows has never been one to embrace freedom, not at all. Right then, so that's actually that's taken us from one ex- from right from the very start right the way through to present day. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? 
Well, not not, not really, other than, uh, as you mentioned, I still use uh, Slackware, uh, and I've played around with a load of different uh, uh, Linux distros, including Ubuntu and Unity, and, and, and I have to say, I, I get on well with all of them. I, I used Ubuntu Unity for six months, but um, I do keep going back to Slackware. You know, I, I'm, I have a CentOS server running in an old EPC in the cupboard to my left, and it, it's fine. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't need rebooted. It needs very little maintenance other than some occasional upgrades. But when it does come time to tinker with it, I do wish I was dealing with Slackware. Maybe because I know Slackware the best after all these years. Yes, well, that's it. I mean, some of the times, you know, it is just down to what you're, if you're very used to something, if you're very comfortable with something, then that's what you like. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter if, you know, it's necessarily uh, bad or worse. It's just different. And you, you're just maybe more comfortable with uh, with the, the, the route you know. I think that's probably true for most of us. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair a fair summary. So that's me, uh, I think, going on about my, my, my Linux history long enough. Uh, time for a tune, do you think? Yes, I think so. And this is by A Beautiful Tomorrow, and the track is All I Want to Be is Happy.
just give All I wanna be is happy I just wanna like to live Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that tune. Now it's uh, someone else's turn to go in the hot seat. Now, okay, if you don't mind the, the electrodes, that's just for extra warmth. Uh, just keep you nice and toasty in the hot seat. Are you, are you ready? Yes, I, I'll, I'll go in and bear it. Give me a minute. I'm putting the factor 50 on my thighs here. That's too much information. <laughs> right then, I am uh, well planted in this very, very hot seat. In fact, I'm pouring this cup of tea on it to cool down. <laughs> okay, so, uh, what was your first Linux uh, distribution? Well, actually, I don't know, to be honest. Now, you may think that's really odd. But my first Linux distribution, believe it or not, was on the Xbox. The Xbox? Yeah, yeah, I was just waiting for that reaction. <laughs> Sorry, let's The Microsoft Xbox. Yes, correct, yes. I, uh, I never really, to be honest, I'd never heard of, I didn't know that, like many people probably still today, I didn't know there were too many alternatives to Windows. I'd used Mac, and in school I'd used Acorns, and uh, Windows, and I'd never really heard of too many other different ones and the thing that got me into Linux or initially started off my path to Linux was Microsoft's greed and closed downness of the Xbox and that is actually how believe it or not I came to find out about as my mate described it Linux as most people probably started their life calling it Yes, indeed, I did as well. So, so how? I mean, is it not? It strikes me as quite a difficult way to start. Is it not difficult to install it on, a, on an Xbox? Well, the reason being, I'll actually tell you why. Like, I'm, I even found out about it was because I'm quite a big fan of American football, and there's always been the Madden series in the UK. But if you actually want to get into it a bit more then you can go, there's a college game, there's the NCAA college football, there's the Arena League football game, all those ones. I don't actually think the Arena League one's still being developed. But they they all fit together nicely. So, in other words, if you if you had a game, uh, like with the college one, and you saved it through and then you played Madden, you could actually pick up the college players that you played as in Madden. So it worked, you know, it worked really well. But... The Xbox was horribly locked down, and I got these games, and lo and behold, I suddenly realized, oh, wait a minute here, these are coded. I cannot play them, they're region coded. So I looked up online and thought, right, how do I get round this? And my mate, who I just happened to notice, he was a real computer guy. I I remember he was a computing teacher, but he, he went way beyond teacher level. He was really seriously into computers, and I said to him, right, do me a favor, I says, uh, I notice you've got an Xbox that does not look like stock. I says, what is it? And he says, oh, that's uh, that's it chipped and it's running Linux. I'll, I'll, I says, what's Linux? And he says, oh, it's a different operating system. And I says, will you do that to mine? He says, yes. And he came along and put on this distro for me. He did. Actually, he didn't seem to do a heck of a lot uh, as far as installing the distro. It seemed pretty quick. 
but it was the the most difficult part i would say was he had to open up the xbox and put in the executor 3 i remember that executor 3 chip and that probably was the most difficult part and then he flashed it and flashed the xbox and it worked and i thought wow what an amazing amount of extra features that were never included before so it essentially turned an xbox from a gaming machine into a heck of a lot more so that was my very first experience and and so you could now play other other xbox games on this chipped souped up uh, xbox yes well the main reason i did it was because the i was really wanting just to play the region the, the games from North America because on top of anything else at the time when they first came out the Xbox games weren't they weren't a heck of a lot of them but the ones that were here were really expensive now Madden came out and I think it was this is going back to 2004 Madden 2005 came out and it was I think it was 50 quid in the UK now I got uh, Madden and NCAA both of them sent over now legitimately not through eBay or anything but it was from a legitimate store that would post overseas. A lot of them wouldn't. And I got them both for, I think it was £32. It was a heck of a saving, even if I didn't want the other one, uh, just even on just the Madden game. But it was for both of them. And it was uh, really was a big saving. Because also the other thing I'd noticed was the um, there was an awful lot of games came out that, in America that just never made it over here. Oh, so I mean, that sounds like a, a bit of a, a, a jump forward so that you could open up your gaming experience. But on a, on a technical level, what I'm wondering is, didn't the Xbox run Windows? So how did these Windows, or something like Microsoft Windows you'd expect, so how did these Windows games run on something that now is Linux? To be honest, I have no idea because I just, as far as I was concerned, I used quite a few of the new features. It gave me quite a lot of different features, in fact. And I... Uh, just kept on playing games and to be honest it, that was all I used it for and that was my first experience or n- no in-full experience of it however I didn't actually put two and two together to think oh the Xbox is Windows well wait a minute this must mean that my computer has got uh, you know I could maybe try this on the computer so that was 2004 so it actually took me another three years before I actually attempted to install by this point, I was—I had been told it is not Linux; it's Linux. <laughs> so, two thousand and seven was the first time I had actually installed it. Uh, and you remember what you installed back in two thousand and seven? Yes, I do. It was the very first one I installed was Suze, and I can't remember exactly what number it was, but I'd—I did. To be honest, I knew about it about Linux, and I didn't know which ones were which. <laughs> And I got an old laptop somebody had given me, and I thought, wait a minute. You know, and I, I looked it up online, I was reading about this Linux, and I'm thinking, oh, okay. And someone recommended me, go for Suze, it's a good starter distro. And I got it installed, installed very, very easily. I really liked it. But the big problem I had was the drivers for this laptop did not work. So... uh I couldn't get the modem working at all. There was, I just didn't seem to get any internet connectivity with it. So that unfortunately brought my very first uh, attempt at installing Linux to a kind of abrupt end. So after a week of failing to get the, uh, find an appropriate driver, I, uh, like I said, I kind of gave up there. But I wasn't ready to give up quite yet. Ah. Well, I mean that. Uh, I mean that is quite an interesting story. 
so you so you came from the Xbox uh, to uh, um, using a more mainstream distro, but then were thwarted by by a driver problem. So what 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 did you do after that? Well, after that, I had I had actually been speaking to somebody else, and this was speaking to them in the flesh. Uh, rather than just online and they said to me he says what did you use and i said susa and he says no 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 he says that's great for somebody that knows a bit about it but he says you're you're a virgin more or less as far as linux goes he says there's a distro called ubuntu he says go and try that and i thought okay then and i installed it and it was 7.10 that was my very first distro i installed and I was utterly amazed. Everything worked. I mean, the one thing that I had heard of with Linux, the main problems I'd from what people have been saying uh, on the grapevine, of course, and all this was, oh, you'll spend most of your life in a terminal. That's not good for a Windows person. Uh, there's no programs, and any programs that you do have are very, uh, they're all homemade, and they're just a pile of rubbish. And at that time, Ubuntu was pretty stock uh, GNOME 2 desktop, and I started playing about with this. Thought, oh, I really like this. It came with quite a few. Uh, it came with quite a few programs installed, and I was really impressed with just the range. And also, then it had back then it had a software like its own version of the software center. Nothing was like now. It was actually quite a nice thing. I quite liked it back then. It was a simple, quick thing. It was almost uh, like maybe a. A better version of best thing, closest thing I could describe it to is in modern days probably a better version of Fedora's uh, Yum GUI. It it actually was, uh, it was it was nice and it was quick to use. Nothing like as big and bloated as the Ubuntu Software Center it is presently. Was that the one that had oh, all these different levels of repos? That it would say multiverse and and so forth. Was it that one? Yes, I and it had it was a, it had some graphics and had wee icons, but certainly it was there was nothing flash about it. And it didn't slow down your machine to a complete halt. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember. I remember um, my, my first experience of that because it's quite unlike anything that I was used to in Slackware, um, and and it was quite good. But I couldn't really get my head around all the, the ideas of different repositories and why there were some things in one repository and other things in other repositories and. You know why? <laughs> I, I, did, I remember being totally baffled by that. I found what I wanted, obviously, but uh, I never quite got my head around that. Well, to be honest, uh, I came from, a, like I said, a Windows background there, and I hadn't had my smartphone at that point. So this whole App Store thing was totally new to me. So actually, to be honest, I hadn't anything to compare it to, and I quite liked it. And I thought, wow, this is brilliant. So you know, you're going through and you're looking through all of these. Now, it seemed to be the extreme opposite from Windows, purely because the it was a case of with anything I used to do with Windows, you had to go and install it, you had to go find it, sorry, then install it, then you had to go through a bunch of questions, then you always end up installing that blooming thing that would add something to your browser, despite the fact you never told it to, and then it was all stuff running in the background. Uh, so this was, I thought, wow, this is utterly amazing. The, so I was that, that was my kind of first usable, let's just say, experience of of uh, Linux on the desktop, and I have to give credit, Ubuntu was the one that convinced me. The, and now, as far as one thing I didn't say was as far as why I went there, it was uh, it was purely down to the fact that 
I had, I, I've always been one for, I'm always been a believer in shading is caring, you know. And on Windows, that's really not a sensible option to take. And I used to spend a fortune on uh, security and firewalls and things, but I used to regularly, quite regularly get viruses. And this time, what had actually happened was uh, I got a, this virus and I could not get rid of it, and it really just took my system down. And so I reinstalled Windows, and I was like, oh, this takes forever. Oh, my word, this was so slow. And then I was trying out at a similar piece of software, and it happened again. And I thought, you know what? Forget it. I'm through with this. I do not want to go through this again. And I actually spoke to my neighbor, who's he's, he's an older guy, but he had never tried it. And I said to him, what about Linux? He says, oh, you know, there's too many flavors. I haven't a clue what even to start with. So when I'd actually heard about the Ubuntu, uh, Ubuntu, shall I say, uh, we both actually tried it then, and that was actually what got me into it in the very first place. Oh, so it must be a very enlightened place, uh, uh, Lewis, the island of Lewis, the Isle of Lewis, where you live. Uh, I'm not sure anyone in my entire street would know what I was talking about, even still if I start asking them about uh, Linux or Linux or anything like that. Well, th- that's actually one thing that people always get surprised at. You know, people, th- sh- you know, forget about fashion trends and anything like that. That's not up here. But when it comes to computing, we really do have quite a good uh, knowledge base for the majority. And it's, I think it's purely because you kind of have to. Because if you don't and you just like limit yourself, for example, for just what you can get in town, you, you really are kind of getting yourself into, well, basically you're limiting what you can get, and also you're putting your price up. And also, the other thing is, we as islanders, you get uh, what's called the air discount scheme and the road equivalent tariffs and things like that. Now, with the air discount scheme, you can only apply for that, as far as I know, if you do it online. So, if you, uh, basically it, it almost takes about a third off your flight bill if you want to go away, if you have your ADS card. So unless you get into the computer side of things, you know, you can't use that. And that goes for anybody, whether they're, you know, six or 106, they're going to have to actually use it. Indeed. And I should at this point point out to uh, listeners who are not familiar with TuxJam or KVNI that I live in Glasgow in the central belt of Scotland uh, and Greater Glasgow has, I don't know, two million people in it. Whereas Kevy lives in a part of Scotland called the Hebrides, the right up in the northwest. Um, and I, I think it's true to say that you're probably, in almost every sense of the word, further away from me than London is. So, you know, I mean, you really are quite far away from uh, the central belt of Scotland, aren't you? Oh, yes. And as far as numbers go, I think that the last count here in this is Lewis and Harris combined was 20,000, just slightly over 20,000 people. So, you know, we've not got a dense population up here either. Indeed. No, the suburb in which I live uh, has uh, at least double that population. <laughs> That's just the suburb I live. So, I, I, But it has struck me, actually, from my first-hand experience, not just of, um, of, of Lewis, but other islands, very different island, Orkney, uh, that there again you see this people are far more computer literate than you would expect and I guess that's, I've never thought about it until you said it, but you have to be because uh, you know, you only have another well, you've only got about another 19,999 people to socialise with <laughs> Yeah, that's it and you get bored of them very quickly, you know you're, you're absolutely sick of them <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so that was my first, very first experience, so with Ubuntu, and I, at the time, in my naivety, I thought, oh, well, you know, I'm quite happy with this, I'm, I'm going to stick with this, I'm not going to be one of these people who change. <laughs> I became a complete and utter distraught, <laughs> uh, I'd got a, at one point, I think I was changing my distro every week, uh, so I, I must admit, but I knew nothing, though, of the, I mean, to me, this was just an alternative operating system. It, it was not anything to do with freedom. It was nothing to do with force. I didn't know what open source was. So it wasn't until I actually got involved with the Ubuntu forums, uh, which I, I must admit, I really did find them quite good, uh, that I actually started talking about different, uh, I sort of started hearing about different things like open source, etc. I'm like, well, what, what's this open source stuff? It's like, hey, you're using the whole thing as open source. And I was like, oh, wow, that's brilliant. So it was through that, it was through coming to it, not because of that I came to it, it was actually through that, through the forums, people talking about it, that actually I was introduced to free software. Ah, well, okay, then that's not that different from my story. Maybe maybe that that pattern is more common than uh, uh, than I than I thought. Uh, and it's quite reassuring, uh, if that is the case, that people are are coming to it for the for the usability reason uh, first and then making this extra discovery at the end of well, the, the freedom. So uh, just in, in this, in this, the last little bit um, you were talking about, we, we, we discovered Ubuntu. Were you using Linux as a sort of a day-to-day thing where you actually did work, well, we don't work at, at your work, but, uh, but you were actually using it. Uh, you weren't just playing with it. Or were you jumping back to Windows every so often to, to do other tasks? No, I pretty much embraced it. In fact, the I was using it, but I wasn't getting an awful lot of success on certain things. And it was just good timing. Uh, to be honest, this was... Now, there's a magazine in the UK, and a lot of people know it, Linux Format, and they at one point used to do an awful lot of specials. And it was about six months after I'd actually installed and was using Ubuntu, and I, I, I did dual boot. I kept Windows XP on my system for a wee while. And they released one saying, uh, Linux made easy, dump Windows for good. It was a special. And I bought the magazine and I used every, I mean, it had gone through everything. I mean, some stuff that I couldn't find online because almost, and I didn't want to ask because it seemed a bit basic, but they went through absolutely everything you do day to day and took us through it. And it was, to be honest, it was the good timing of that special and that magazine that made me uh, then made a conscious effort to say, right, I am using this exclusively. And actually, at that point, I wiped Windows completely once I got so comfortable with it that I think there's not much I can't do that I need to do. And anything I can't do... Well, the biggest thing was gaming. Uh, but even gaming... I, okay, in my in the 90s, I was a big gamer. You know, I hadn't been for quite a while. So gaming was never really that big a deal to me personally. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't like I was giving up a huge part uh, of my computing life for that. So it was uh, the, the one thing, I mean, there's still some programs where I'm thinking, oh, I wish they'd come over to Linux or get a Linux port. But I, I put it this way, I'm surviving. I do not have Windows anymore on the machines at all. So I'm quite proud to say this is a Windows-free household. Very good. Congratulations. I should also mention that uh, the Linux format magazine that you mentioned, probably the people that wrote those that, that special are probably now the same people who are over at Linux Voice, I would imagine. 
Yeah, most um, I seem to remember Paul Hudson was quite a big uh, contributor to that one, and I know he's. I don't actually know where did Paul go. He kind of he moved on from Linux format quite a long time ago. Yeah, okay, no, he didn't go to Linux for. He certainly, no, he left uh, Linux format before. Yeah, so I, I'd forgotten about him. Yes, but that would have been that that far back. Yeah. Yes, I. So, so there you go. So, unfortunately, I didn't come for the the noble cause and the the freedom. But in saying that, once I found out about it, I did embrace those things. I mean, there's. I wouldn't say I'm a. I'm not a total diehard, and I certainly uh, am not going down the route of saying, "Oh, I have to." Everything has to be free and open. But certainly, if there is a free and open solution available, I will take it. Uh, I mean, it's. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to say to myself, right, I'm totally limiting myself by saying I'm not going to use it for the likes of just things. Uh, for example, you know, I still do install Flash onto my system. I just be, just to make the web a bit more usable. I still install Java, those kind of things. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I'll, I you know I've, I've got the ability to play MP3s. I, OK, all my music files are actually an OG, but... Again, that was something else that Linux introduced me to. I'd never heard of OGG. I just always thought there was just MP3s or WAVs. That's, again, that's my ignorance coming from a Windows background, though. Yes, uh, and I, I guess I was I was no different. So I suppose um, from the point where you left off with Ubuntu uh, to the present day, a large part of your distro hopping is actually recorded for posterity in... Uh, uh, in, in past Tux Jam episodes, isn't it? Yes, although to be honest, there was uh, probably before I even started Tux Jam, uh, it was probably I was probably more prevalent, should I say, with disrupting before then. Uh, what really settled me, and this may seem most people probably might shriek at this point, was I always fancied trying a. Uh, build your own distro. So I think the first one I built was an Arch system. And at the time, Arch, <laughs> I didn't know this about Arch, about how bleeding edge Arch was. And I installed it, it ran, and I had it for about a week, and I upgraded it, and everything broke. <laughs> Just nothing worked after that. I thought, okay, right, that's maybe a bit, maybe a bit too cutting edge for my liking. So then I went to Gen 2. Now, Gen 2, I, Ran and I loved. I really did like it. It was just something I could. I loved how much control you had. I loved how much, you know, you could say what you wanted. And I ran that all the way up until GNOME two. Basically, uh, well, it it was classed as being finished and it died a death. And the problem I had with it then was Gen two when I had installed everything myself and I chose what I wanted was lightning faster. This computer it was noticeably faster than anything else. Uh, the problem then was once GNOME 2 stopped, I thought, well, I, you know, it's a bit, maybe a bit of a security risk if I keep using it. So I installed, I updated and became GNOME 3. Hated that. I really just did not like it. And then I installed XFC and I certainly noticed, hey, wait a minute, this thing that was lightning fast, were you adding all these things to it, has become sluggish. And you're, you're defeating the purpose of Gen 2 here. And unfortunately, by that time, Wee Guy was in my life, and I just didn't have the time to actually think, right, I'm going to go and restart and rebuild. Uh, so it's been then I kind of moved. I thought, right, I've got to be something with a wee bit more, a wee bit, so let's, let's say, user-friendly and not quite as long to build. And the first one I used for a long time, actually, after, was uh, CrunchBang, the Debian-based one that was based on XFCE. And I installed that, used that, loved it, but I still... 
wasn't entirely happy that it still came with a pre preloaded set of uh, applications. I want to choose what I want. So then, after using that for quite a while, I then just installed uh, Debian and built it up for myself. Uh, and that was pretty much it. I, I still run Debian. Now, I've got uh, three other partitions here, which I do for testing uh, different distros, or just like for the likes of Tux Jam, or if there's something else that's takes my, takes my fancy but uh, apart from that I have been on I've been on Debian for ooh let me think probably the best part of three years now which is very unusual for me I most of my family are on either Mint or Ubuntu so I do tend to keep a partition with Ubuntu on it just so I can keep up to speed myself um, but apart from that uh, yeah, like I said, I've been pretty much stuck with Debian. I've, I've stuck with Debian for the last week while Debian testing. I was an unstable and I had a bit of a disaster when something, <laughs> something recently, I'm talking about in the last kind of six months, something recently updated, which just seemed to break everything. <laughs> so I just rebuilt the system up from scratch. But it's fun to do that now and again. And it's a heck of a lot quicker doing it in Debian than it is in Gentoo. Yes, yes. Oh, well, that sounds that sounds quite, quite an adventure. I, I should point out again to listeners who are not familiar with it uh, with us um, uh, that uh, Wee Guy isn't some kind of Linux hating dwarf that hangs around with Kevy, but is in fact your son, isn't he? Yes, he is. And you know, it's amazing when pe- when we- little people come into your life. Quite how much time they actually take up, and that's been the main reason I've never gone back to Gen Two. So I don't have the free time these days. Yeah, I should mention that my son and my daughter—they've uh, both grown up using a computer that uh, using my desktop computer that I'm recording this on that runs uh, Slackware with KDE. Uh, you know, and they—they they, they just don't know. I mean, my, my son just switches between uh, a Windows computer and a and a KDE, you know, KDE desktop. He doesn't he doesn't really care. Just you know. Uh, just gets on with whatever he wants to do, completely oblivious to uh, what, what uh, whatever operating system it is. And well, again, children are much more like that than than adults. Yeah, and that's what I think. If they can switch between them, and they can actually see the difference, this is what I think Linux could easily be a winner because they see the difference. I mean, I was even I even did that today. It's kind of surprised me because. I switched on my work computer, went and got a cup of tea, was drinking it, came back, and it was still loading the flip up. It was like, Arr! I was just wanting to throttle the monitor, actually, to be honest. And then tonight, came in, switched on my own computer here, and stupidly was expecting to go and have a cup of tea and made up. And before it even got up and walked away, my desktop was in front of me and in a usable state. <laughs> so when you see things like that, and when people actually see uh, Linux being used as a day-to-day thing, I, all they've got, you know, it's it's a good enough ammunition to dispel the myth that, oh, Linux is impossible to use, because it's the same as pretty much anything else, point and click. Yes, yes, indeed it is. Indeed it is. So any uh, any final remarks before we go on to our, f- our final tune? Uh, no, nothing else, just... Uh, been an adventure, but I must admit I would uh, certainly not uh, trade back. There is no way I'd go back to a Windows setup at all. I must admit I really do love Linux. I, d- I the only thing I would say was if anybody was thinking about uh, going or recommending somebody else move from Windows to Linux, the only thing I would genuinely say is uh, two things. One, 
if they run into trouble, can they get a hold of you or someone else? Because as I found out, some older people especially, they're not that comfortable posting on forums. And the other thing is, if they are, uh, if there's teenagers in the house, do they need the latest and greatest games? Because at present, although SteamOS may change this, I would say it probably would be safer to dual boot if that's the case. Yes, that's a point. Yeah, my son does um, have to reboot into Shocker or Windows XP. In fact, it's on this machine to play his favourite uh, game on uh, in Steam because it's not available on Linux Steam. Yeah, so that's quite quite true, quite true. So, what is our final tune? Right, our final tune is by The Way I Am, and the tune is Answer My Call.
And on that note, this brings us to the end of the show. Now then, if you'd like to contact us, you can contact the show. It's tuxjam at unseenstudio.co.uk. We have... We're on various social media sites. We're on Twitter, joindiaspora.com. We're on micro.fragdev.com. And that's all at Unseen Studio there. But that's only for announcements. Uh, That's not really for for a yarn. If you want to yarn with us, well, we're both available in various places. I'm at Kevy on micro.fragdev.com. Uh, I'm also at Kevy on diaspora.net.gr and I am unfortunately at Kevy49 on Twitter. But uh, to be honest, uh, be be expecting quite a delay in answering if you talk to me via Twitter because I really don't check it very often. Now, Andrew's available on various parts of the web, so I'll pass you over. Well, I think the best place to try and talk to me if you want to is uh, on uh um, uh, micro.fragdev.com which is a, a GNU social status net uh, platform um, and I'm just called McNalu M-C-N-A-L-U uh, I, I do exist with that name on Twitter although you, you can try talking to me there but uh, I probably won't hear you and I almost certainly wouldn't respond <laughs> so, so there's no point um, uh, and uh, so the best place would be would be there or you could email me uh, as McNallu at McNallu.net and you can see my blog which is at blog.mcnallu.net Yes, and that's us pretty much uh, come to the end. Now, this has been a special for HPR. Now, before I forget, one last thing is we had, there was big, I was really pleased to see big news here uh, for me, not, not for anybody else. <laughs> the big news was uh, my plane tickets finally came through for uh, Podcrawl Glasgow. Now, Podcrawl Glasgow is going to take place on July the 11th. We hope to start at 6pm at the State Bar, which is just off Socky Hall Street. Uh, it's, if you get, if you're on Socky Hall Street and you're heading along to the Campus Bar, which is going to hold the flags outside, it's directly across the road from there. Uh, so it's just on one of the perpendicular streets. I can't remember the exact name of that street just now, but it's it's there. So we hope to see you there. If you're thinking 6 p.m. is just too early, then follow the on the various social media sites. We'll uh, hashtag it with uh, Glasgow Podcrawl. Or is it Podcrawl Glasgow? Which one is it? I can't remember. I think it was Podcrawl Glasgow. Maybe we'll put both hashtags in just to be safe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So if you're thinking you'd like to join us up, then, like I said, just uh, look at, look for the hashtag and we'll find it where we are. So we'll probably move on. The only thing I will actually say, and I've, I've said this a few times, with uh, just with the nature of Glasgow public houses, they're, it's not like the continent and it's not even like in England where families are you know, welcome and regular uh, regularly attend. It's uh, we are aiming, we are making this an over 18s only, just purely because the nature of public houses in Scotland, most of them only have child licenses till seven, and you do have to be eating, and you've got to be out by seven or half seven or something like that. So, this is not really one to take the whole family to, unless they are all of uh, over the age of eighteen years. I think there you said join us up, which sounds a bit like we're getting married. Uh, that's not the case. Uh, perhaps join up with us is probably the better form of words for that. Yeah, guess who's the teacher here, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a giant pedant, I admit it, sorry.
Uh, right, so I'll really wind you up here by saying, so you can all come and join us <laughs> at the State Bar. It's uh, 11th of July, Glasgow, 6pm. So we hope to see as many people as we can there. Now, it does, it's not exclusively for just podcasters. It's also for podcast listeners as well. So generally, to be honest, it's uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, anybody who really wants to come, can come. If you like uh, the Creative Commons music, if you like open source, if you like Linux podcasts, anything like that, uh, then please do come along and you'll be made most welcome. Yes, indeed. Yes, I'd love to see you there. In fact, I, I can now state that will be one person uh, in addition to the two of us that will definitely be there. So we're standing at a definite three at the very least. Sounds good to me. And now, in fact, before I forget, you will actually be able to spot us quite easily. You may not know our faces. However, I'm getting, I'm in the process just now of getting t-shirts made up and mine will have Kevy on the back of it and Andrews will have McNally on the back of it. So if you're really lost, look for the people, look for the two idiots standing there with their names on the back of the t-shirts. <laughs> yes. Oh, I've forgotten about that. Yes, that's great. Yep. Wow. Right then. So, on that note, then, it's a case of see you next time. So this has been a, a TuxJam special, an HBR exclusive. This is not available on the TuxJam feed. If you would like to subscribe to us and the show more on a more regular basis, then please head along to unseenstudio.co.uk and just search for the TuxJam. For Tux so until episode 34, we shall see you then. Yes, bye-bye, HBR folks. Now, do you have the bumper, yeah? Yes, yes, I've got, I've got the bumper. Good job we didn't, uh, we didn't mention uh, that, uh, that 33 and a third thing in Irish accents, eh? Yeah, like you were saying, yeah. No, that, that wouldn't be good. A thirty three and a third. A dirty three and a third. It, it, it's very good that we didn't do that at all. Dirty three and a third. Oh, I haven't switched off the, the record button yet. Shall we edit this? Or we'll leave it as an outtake? Well, we might as well also point out that whiskey is definitely not spelt with an E while we're at it. Oh, my word, no. That's just not right. Whiskey is spelt W-H-I-S-K-Y. Notice that? No E. I don't want E's in my whiskey. You get enough of a buzz of whiskey without adding E's to it. <laughs> I can. On that note, we shall really stop recording. <laughs> You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binrev.com. All Binrev projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.